Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 113. We are discussing the WGC Mexico Championship and the Puerto Rico Open on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Bank System. With me, we have Golf Bank System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. You sound a bit more sprightly than you did last week. Yeah, last week was an absolute disaster. Mm. Good. Good. But this week, I'm I'm on the road to recovery. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't sound like a Dalek, which uh, which makes a uh, makes mm. a difference. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Please subscribe to the podcast and drive the popularity of the show. That's really really important. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Link is available in the description box. Paul's on. Paul's at Golf Betting in terms of Twitter. Let's drive him. Towards ten thousand followers, I'm going to say that every week. I'm at Bamford Golf. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whichever way you know it as. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. Do you know, Paul? We're in the top fifteen golf podcasts in the United States. That's not bad for. A, for no, that's not that's bad good. for a couple of old lads that are in the southeast of the United Kingdom, is it? No. That's very, very encouraging. I like that. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them at the start of next week's show. Now, Nate from Maryland, he kindly sat down a couple of weeks ago and wrote this very, very nice review. So, Nate, thank you very much. I'll say it before I even read it. Title, unique perspective, five stars. I've been playing DFS for several years now, and i found that the best chance for continued success involves the ability to understand the many different ways in which someone can narrow the player pool. By looking at things through another point of view, you can better predict how they'll build lineups and, more importantly, who it is they'll land on. Oddly enough, although there's no shortage of DFS content creators out there, the ones offering a new, unique perspective are relatively few and far between. That's not the case with Steve, Paul and Barry, to this day, they continue to point out research tips and methods that had previously never even occurred to me. If you take golf betting or PGA DFS seriously, this pod is definitely worth adding to your library. Thanks, thanks, guys. That is from Nate in Maryland. We do tend to look at things completely differently, don't we? Yeah, we do. Firstly, I think thanks for writing that long and detailed uh, review Nate that's very nice it's great to hear that you use the uh, use the angles and the thought processes that we that we try to uh, try to put forward in a proactive fashion so uh, best of luck to you with your DFS this week but yes yeah it's it's interesting Steve because uh, you know you and I've listened to quite a few of the um, the DFS based uh, pods and they, a lot of them do kind of end up with the same kind of players and I guess we do take it slightly different angle. Doesn't necessarily mean we find the right ones all the time, mind. But um, I guess uh, that's one way to differentiate your uh, your approach, isn't it? Well, all the various statistical products in the United States are all, are all using the same strokes gained data, so they're all going to churn out the same strokes yeah. gained yeah. names, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like oh, shock horror. Emiliano Grio is really good with his approaches. Yeah, yeah, but he can't putt. Well, no, this is it. And we're all being asked the same exam question each week, aren't we? And if you're all using the same tools to come to the same conclusion, you're all going to come to the 
the same. Tea to green, tea to green. Statistically, Emiliano Grillo is going to win the Masters, <laughs> yeah. but clearly he's not. Well, this is it. You get Grillo, you get like Paul Casey who pop up all the time, don't they? And, yeah. <laughs> Paul Casey. Yeah. You know, I, I know you'll be desperate to tip him for a few of the ma- few of the majors this year, Steve. It's, um, <laughs> perhaps, uh, perhaps that won't happen. But no, he showed a, a, he showed a lack of mental fortitude again at the weekend. I think over in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, Just sl- steadily slipped down the leaderboard on Sunday. He needs those magical putting days like he had. To... You don't get a strokes gain number for mental fortitude, <laughs> do you? That's, that is the problem. Strokes gained under pressure. St- strokes gained under pressure when it really matters. Mm. That would be a very good statistic, I think. Right. Um, last week, should we make it short and sweet? Riviera. Yeah. Played firm and fast. Got that bet right. Said that the scoring would be a lot lower than previous years. Got that bet right. A 11 under one. Mm. I think he was the only player in double figures. He was, yeah. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Too clear, wasn't he? Firm and fast. Um, the thing we kind of didn't get right was that Scott, in the end, was surrounded by players that you just kind of wouldn't expect to be near the top of a leaderboard in a field that was so strong. I mean, yeah. Scott Brown... Sung Kang. I would have thought Max Homer supporters were very, very disappointed. Max Homer, he he, he was well back last week. He was, right. yeah. And he, he got like a slither of each way money because there was about six players all tied for fifth. I know. He was, he was put up in play on our Facebook group at 500 to 1 at one point. Um, Homer. And, uh, you know, he got himself into a cracking position, didn't he? And then... And dropped away with a tie fifth in the end. So um, I, I, I don't know if these in play guys would have got anything back at all out of that because often you've dropped down to four places by that point. But um, but yeah, there's a few of them, weren't there? Who, who were, you know, you look at. Kuchar was leading from the yeah. start, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know, Rory was in the joint lead and you'd expect him to convert at that point. DJ got himself to win the shot within a shot of the lead, didn't he? And then, then dropped away again and. Just all backed away and left uh, left Adam just to saunter through to the uh, to the finish. Hmm. So he so he won the Australian PGA. He took did, two yeah. months off. Didn't have any PGA Tour action, which put pretty much everyone off him from a betting perspective because people don't just turn up on their season debut and win in a field like this against players that have pretty much all shook the r- r- the rust off, mm. and he just goes and fires 72 in the first round. I wonder what he was in play after that one over 72 yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Then shot 64-67 and just held position like Adam Scott can in that final round. We, we know Scott. We, when he won the Masters, he, he came off the back of a very light schedule. He doesn't... Yeah, he did. I think it was three tournaments before he won the Masters. He's the only person to do that. He can... He's he's the kind of guy that's almost like a loner, isn't he? He goes out there and prepares how he wants to prepare. Yeah, he doesn't need to be playing competitive golf to be in no. in the kind of game shape to actually convert or to mm. seriously contend. He can do that off the back of a you know a series of weeks off, can't he? It's clearly his preparation is different and better, um, or well, different to to a lot of other players, and to gets himself into that right shape, favorite frame of mind, and. Game shape before he tees it up. Seventeenth, st- strokes gained off the tee. Third on approach. Seventeenth around the green. Third tee to green, and a strong enough putting week. Twenty seventh strokes gained putting. That's how he won. And another Australian winner. 
They are absolutely tearing the place up, aren't they, the Australians? So when, so we can expect Cameron Percy this week, yeah? <laughs> For his miracle one ever PGA Tour victory at the age of 77 or whatever age he is. That might come back and bite you on the backside next week, Steve. You never know. Or Cameron Davis at a ridiculously short 25 to yeah, 1. Yeah, yeah. If, if he'd a little bit, little bit longer, Davis, he would have been interesting this week. Mm. I would have thought the Australians are going to be backed off the board in both events this week. Puerto Rico as well. Yeah, well, it's, it's sticking out more than uh, more than just a casual trend at the moment, isn't it? They are winning an awful lot of these events. So. And clearly it's, uh, it's encouraged some of their compatriots to do the same, these, these boys who are getting over the line. So. Mm, definitely, I agree. Right, let's start. I mean, it's a busy show. Two two packed tournaments this week. Mm. Two tournaments at the completely different end of the um, of the sort of scale in terms of uh, prestige of tournaments. Um, let's start with the WGC Mexico Championship. Naturally, it's the big event. Do you want me to take take the listeners through the top ten in the predictor model this week? Yeah, do that up, up top if you like. That's, uh, that's a good. Chat. Let's get it. Let's get it done and out there, and then you can start going into re- de- real detail about mm. the course and about your fancies. Uh, one thing to point out this week, and this is the first time I think we've ever we've ever said this, uh, we're completely neutral from a bookmaker perspective um, at Golf Betting System. We just basically tell it how it is. Now, this week, and I've never seen this before, Boyle Sports are the uh, bookmaker that are providing the most each-way places. They've gone seven places each way of 50 odds at the WGC, which is a, is it a 78-man field? Yeah, 72, yeah, it's very limited. 72. Yeah, Temp for the field, and then in Puerto Rico, in a second division kind of event, they've they've gone eight places each way. So they're offering five additional spots across the two tournaments this week. Very good. And you've got the likes you've got the likes of um, other bookmakers out there that are offering just standard five places each way on both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you if you have an, an each way punt, you've got to check out some of these firms offering extended places just. Just to make sure the price is, uh, you know, if, if it's completely out of kilter of where you want to, you know, what, what you expect, then then you, you take your chance with a lower amount of each way places. But if it's more or less the same price, then you've got to think long and hard before moving moving your mm. money somewhere else. I think we keep an each way place um, analysis <coughs> piece at Golf Betting System, and um, we've run it for twenty uh, eighteen and nineteen. Mm. And the best bookmaker both years for each way places with Paddy Powell. Yeah. But so far in 2020, it's Boyle Sports. They've now taken the lead. Um, if you want a Boyle Sports account and you haven't got one in the United Kingdom, they have currently got an up to £25 in free bets offer. That is available in Paul's and my previews this week, which clearly... You can uh, you can navigate to from the description box in this podcast. Uh, key terms and conditions are available, but yes, five additional places across both tournaments in total this week <coughs> via Boyle Sports. You'll have to excuse us, listeners, because both of Paul and I have got coughs this week. <laughs> so Boyle Sports, well done to those guys. Now, top ten of the predictor, clearly predictor model. We mention this every week. Completely free to use. Uh, we've got predictors for both Mexico and Puerto Rico this week. You can run the models as many times as you want. Come up with your own results free of charge at Golf Betting System. 10, Xander. 
He's 20 to 1 with Betway, seven places each way. If I mention each way places, they're all a 50 odds. Nine is Benny Ann, 90 to 1 with Unibet, six places each way. Eight, Adam Scott, last week's victor, 20 to 1 with Ladbrooks. Seven is Branch Snedeker, your old mucker Paul, 80 to 1 with Betfair, seven places each way. Six is Webb Simpson, 18 to 1 with Boyle Sports, fresh from his win in Phoenix. They're offering seven places each way. Five is Hideki Matsuama, 20 to 1 with Betfair, seven places each way. Four is John Rahm, 10 to 1 with Boyle Sports, seven places each way. Three is Justin Thomas, 11 to 1 with Boyle Sports, seven places each way. Two, Rory McElroy, the favourite, 13 to 2 with Bet365. And number one, two time winner here, Dustin Johnson, 13 to 2 with Unibet, six places each way. So top three, DJ, Rory, JT. There's a surprise. Yeah, I think, and with these events, you are you're always going to find those. Um, you know, the better players are going to navigate. Particularly when you're looking at a statistical model, it's going to it's going to give you the players that statistically are the are the best fit for that particular track. And I don't think it's any surprise really. It's always interesting for me when I use the predictor just to look at those players who are a little bit further down. You know, in the in the kind of eighth, tenth, fifteenth spot, but who are longer prices. Because yep. that often gives you an idea that they're you know a, a fairly strong fit for the uh, for the track, um, but clearly just haven't got the full package of stats. But as we know with with, with this game, these players are all capable, and you know a, a decent round on a Sunday, you know a decent four rounds can make a make a hell of a difference. And um, yeah, that's often how I use it myself. As Steve said before, if you've got some ideas on the predictor, we want to want to tell us um, how you've used it, then just uh, pop us a tweet over with uh, a screenshot of what you've done. It's always interesting to see how you yeah. guys um, use that data to um, to your own benefit. We've had a couple of those last week, so you keep did, them yeah. coming. Yeah, you you use use and feedback. Um, don't 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 be scared to uh, share your the way that you're using the uh, predictor model with us. Mm, indeed. Um, let's go through some detail then. Um, WGC, WGC Mexico Championship. Uh, first WGC of the season. Well, actually, it's not the season, is it? Strictly speaking, it's the uh, first yeah. yeah, first WGC of the year because we had the WGC HSBC Champions at the back end of last year. But yes, for all intents and purposes, the first one of 2020. It's the fourth of what's planned to be seven... WGC Mexico's that are going to be held here at Chapultepec in Mexico City. Um, and like the other WGCs that we see, it's an elite limited field, 72 players, as we just said. The bulk of the top 50 in the world are here. And the ones that are missing, notable exceptions are Tiger Woods, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finnell, uh, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Justin Rose, uh, Henrik Stenson and Jason they are the ones missing from the top end of world golf but other than that i mean despite the absence of those players it's still an excellent field as you'd expect for wgc level just go through the um the, the, the actual market itself quickly rory mcelroy is the favorite 13 to 2 dustin johnson's about 15 to 2 available for dustin right now john rahm 10 to 1 justin thomas 11 to 1 Webb Simpson, 18 to 1. Xander, 20. Hideki, 20. Last week's winner, Adam Scott, as you said, Steve, 20 to 1. Tommy Fleetwood, 22. Bryson's, 30. And 40 to 1, bar those players at the top of the market. Uh, the track itself, Chipotlepec, a classical tree lined affair, par 71, 7,330 yards. 
Kikuya Fairways and Rough, small, slopey, Power Anna Greens again. And we've seen a lot of Power Anna over the last few weeks. This will be the last time we say it for months, so yeah. Yeah, yeah and again, you can see last week how many players struggle on Poana, how many players miss, how many short putts are missed on Poana. It's, it's a Gorgeous. tough old surface. In fact, if you're interested in that kind of stat, I t- retweeted some stats that I picked up over the weekend, which are interesting, um, which was about the tracks that have the most, or the most difficult tracks to putt on on the tour. It's going back to 2018, I think the date it was from. Um, but if you look down that, you can see, I mean, the instant reaction is Poana, 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 Poana. Every time you look down the list and see the, uh, the the tracks that are featuring as the most difficult to putt on. Um, so, yeah, clearly players don't get on with it. Some players are fine with it. Some players just cannot get um, get the putter going at it and clearly get frustrated on these surfaces. Um, but, yeah, going back to the track, old-style old style course, as we said, classical. It's got a Spanish-Italian kind of feel to it, I think. Um, but the big key here is played played at over seven thousand feet of elevation, so the altitude um, it really does play quite a big part here. And you talk to the well, you listen to the players talking about it. And typically, when we're playing at altitude, particularly over in like the likes of South Africa, ten um, percent is a fair number to add on or to to use as your calculation. Here, with combined with heat as well, ten maybe twenty percent in some cases, depending on the. Uh, club being used so your 7330 yard track realistically what's it really play i'd say somewhere in the region of six and a half thousand yards which for a professional track is super super short so pitch and putt as i put in the golf betting show this uh this week and that, yeah. it, for these pro players at this stand it's the block of pitch and putt mate it is i think the complexity comes in the fact that the percentages do vary depending on the club you're using so um you know, some of the players clearly get, are going to allow for 10, 15, 20% on some of these shots. And, so, you know, getting that maths right, being able to understand it, being able to compute it, and a caddy who can work with you to uh, to get that uh, get those numbers right is one of the key at- attributes of uh, success here this week, I think. Uh, kind of the layout of the track, the first and second holes are very short par fours. And with the altitude, you'll see a fair number of the players having a crack at both. They'll certainly have a crack at the first, and some of the bigger hitters will have a crack at the second as well. The three par fives, again, with the altitude, are equally gettable. There's some long par fours. The par threes tend to be the, the toughest part of the challenge round here. Um, in terms of the holes themselves. The real challenge, though, is all on around the greens. We talked about Poana. There's small putting surfaces. There's lots of slopes. And as we saw, as again, as, as I was just saying, as we saw last week, lots and lots of putts are missed on these Poana greens. So players, I think it's, it's a fair equaliser, particularly for a lot of the players who potentially aren't the best putters. Because I think the best putters often come to these tracks. And unless they're comfortable and you know feel feel happy to be putting on Poana, they can get easily frustrated. And I think you need to be in the kind of mindset where you know you're going to miss some of these short putts and just get on with it, walk away, move to the next hole. The players that let it play on their mind are the ones that potentially struggle a little bit here, I think. or on Poana generally. Um, conditions this week, forecast to be good, 80 Fahrenheit there or thereabouts each day, sunny, 10 mile an hour winds, max in the afternoons, it should be decent scoring. 
um, and similar to what we've seen over the last few years. Last year was Dustin Johnson winning at a 21 under par. Um, he won by five, so the next best was 16. Back in 2018, it was Phil Mickelson, 16 under. He beat Justin Thomas in the playoff that year. 25 to 1 was Mickelson. DJ was 11 to 1 last year. 2017 was DJ again, um, winning his first of the two uh, titles here. Um, he beat uh, it was Tommy Fleetwood that year, wasn't it? it uh, Tommy Fleetwood came Fleetwood, through. Yeah, yeah he came through. Uh, a quick or finish, fast finish to finish second. DJ was seven to one that year, so we've had no real shocks or surprises this year on, on this track over the over the three years. Fourteen. I love that stat you've got in your preview about the last sixteen winners, is it, and their prices of oh, the WGCs? Yeah, yeah thirteen yeah, yeah, of the last sixteen. Stat. Yeah, I mean, it brings it brings it to brings it to uh, to the point, doesn't it? Where you know, so many of these players winning these elite events are twenty five to one or shorter. So. You know, you can search around for for value as much as you like, but the the WGCs have tended to go to. And there's been a lot of duplicate winners as well, but there's you know, the WGCs tend to go to these players who are kind of in that twenty five to one or shorter bracket. It's you know statistically proven over the last few years. You're gonna have some outliers, of course you are. You know, you're gonna get the occasional player who comes and wins at you know 50 80 150 to one whatever but in general i think it was was it 13 of the last 16 that i counted have been 25 mm. to one or shorter so yeah you know if, in terms of trying to find the outright winner that's kind of helped shape my thought process this week i must say looking looking through the stats of the last three i mean you've only got three years worth of stats so I would take some of it with a pinch of salt, although what we're seeing is a trend towards driving distance being fairly academic. There's been different styles and different types of player who've done well here over the three years. I think really you can take, other other than these long drivable holes, um, you can take less than driver on virtually every hole. And a lot of it's about placement and getting yourself in position to, uh, to make sure you can find the right part of these small greens. Um, and uh, not leave yourself an impossible chip or um, you know a very tough putt. Because three putts again are going to be rife here. It's going to be a very you know a key stat is players uh, trying to avoid three putting on these uh, on these power and the greens. So less than driver somewhere in the region of seventy percent greens and regulation is typically what you need. DJ was the outlier last year, hitting over eighty percent. Generally, the players who've done well here have got in the region of 72 percent of greens and regulation. That also tells you that lots of players um, or lots of greens are going to be missed over the course of the week. So you're going to need to scramble well. You're going to need to putt well on these surfaces. Um, I think if you're digging through the actual form of these the players who've done well here, the only thing that really stands out is that the three winners so far each had a first or a second place finish in their most recent weeks. And, you know, when you're looking at an elite, an elite field like this, I'm... You know, you'd expect those kind of numbers to point to, to to stick out. You'd expect the players who are in contention in the WGC to be uh, displaying some decent incoming form. So, yeah, I'm in terms of grabbing onto any of these particular stats. I'm not sure there's anything that you can massively um, say is biased one way or another. I think different styles can contend here. I think lots of different styles. I think you've just got to stick to whatever your game plan is. If your game plan is to go out and attack these par fours to drive them all, take your chance and make the odd eagle and the, the odd bogey or double, then then fine, crack on with that. If if your strategy is to play them more conservatively and try to pick up the odd 
birdie, but you know, other other than that, it's passed. Then fine, you may find that you end up with the net same score on these holes as as players adopting a totally different strategy. Ultimately, for me, it's going to come down to who can handle the greens. Um, you, the altitude's going to make a difference. Players comfortable with altitude, but um, you've got to be able to play these Pohanna greens and players that um, have a track record of performing on these kind of surfaces is pretty much where I've, uh, where I've headed in terms of my team this week. So, boiling... Are you backing, Paul? Boiling it all down then. Yeah, mm. the field of set, I do like these short fields because it does give you a chance to dig into them a little bit more and to get, um, get a little bit more reasoning, I guess, as to why you might want to want to back a player. And... Um, I've backed four, and ultimately, I've gone round the houses and kept coming back to Dustin Johnson at the top. And you know me, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not the kind of punter who likes to back short-priced, single-priced figures, uh, single single-figure um, golfers. But um, I couldn't find any reason to oppose him this week. I mean, it's he's clearly obvious. He's won two out of the three events here. And I guess if you're, play, if you're back in the player, and I've got 15 to two on him, if you're back in the player at 15 to two or there or thereabouts, then you need to be pretty comfortable that he's going to convert. Um, given seven attempts here, if he had seven goes of this in his current form, would you expect him to win at least one to warrant that price? I think he'd win probably more than one, given the current form he's in. And because he finished second in Saudi, 10th last week. I mean, if you're going to pick some holes in him, then perhaps he should have done better last week than than, than his eventual finish. And um, up until Sunday, up until back nine, really, he, he looked pretty solid. Uh, a few of his approaches started to go awry on Sunday, which is ultimately where he where he fell down. But um, again, if you look back through his stats, I looked at how he performed at uh, Riviera last year prior to coming here and winning and he added 20% a full 20 points to his greens and regulation from one week to the next and if he does something similar this week given that he was the best putter on the Poana greens or you know largely Poana greens that we had last week in uh, at Riviera then I think he's going to go very very close um, mm. won it by five last year I, you know this, this this is a DJ track for me. This is the kind of thing that he'll turn up to and, and he'll just feel immensely comfortable and very happy to go and to go and win himself another event or another another um, WGC. Talking WGCs, he's won six of his last 23 starts at this level. So again, if you're trying to justify a prize, trying to justify backing a player at... Uh, at single figures, if he's won six of twenty-three starts, what's that? One in four, just better than mm. one in four. So his mm. price is twice, tw- twice the level of that. If you work it through mathematically, I, I, I'm quite, quite comfortable backing him this week. I would, I would make him favourite over Rory McIlroy personally. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I've gone at the top. We'll see. Win only fifteen to two. The Unibet Dustin Johnson to top the uh, top the list this week for me. Uh, three each way shots as well. Patrick Reed fifty to one. I backed him with bet three six five um, uh, with five places a quarter of the odds. And again, if you draw some comparisons between um, Dustin Johnson, um, Phil Mickelson won the event in between. Then it does lead you to players, um, and one of, one of whom is Patrick Reed. I mean, both DJ and Lefty have won at Doral, uh, as has Reed. Both have won at Shishan. And if you look at Reed's record at Shishan at the WGC. HSBC champions. He's got three top eight finishes in his last uh, five starts. 
the Northern Trust, another one that's correlation, Tournament of Champions at Kapalua, again, uh, correlation with uh, DJ, correlation with Justin Thomas, who um, lost to uh, Phil Mickelson in that uh, 2018 event. Um, and again, uh, Patrick Reed has won there. He lost out in a playoff again this year. So some strong correlation there as well. And three events or three starts here, 61st, 37th, 14th. He was third going into Sunday last year before um, shooting 73, I think it was. So played himself out at that point, but clearly got himself um, into his best position so far in his career in this tr uh, this track. And um, I think he can improve on that further this year. Second at Kapalua, as we just said, he lost in the playoff. Sixth at Torrey Pines, where he was second for putting average on the Powana Greens there a few weeks back. For me, for an elite player, and, uh, you know, like him or loathe him, I know a lot of people don't like Patrick Reid. And I know you've got these rules issues and, all the, you know, the, the, whole, the whole package that comes with Patrick Reid. For me, for an elite player... Um, 50 to 1 is worth taking on this week, particularly as he's going to need to um, pull his finger out and really get um, stuck into qualifying for the Ryder Cup. It will mean, you know, that's the kind of thing that means a massive amount to a player like Patrick Reed. So he will be doing his damnedest to get himself automatically qualified for that team. He's talked about automatically qualifying for the um, Olympics team as well as another target, and um, we shall see about that. Clearly, that's going to be hyper competitive as well. But Can you imagine Patrick Reed in the athletes' village, <laughs> the Olympics? <laughs> we, we shall see. Oh, that's, that that is amusing. Yeah, he'd, he'd love it. He'd lap it up. Oh he? yeah, the athletes would love him as well. <laughs> <laughs> Strutting around with his entourage, oh, fantastic. I you know, personally, I like Patrick Reed. I think I, I think right. I think when he's come over to the European Tour, I think he's added a lot to the events that he's uh, competed in. Clearly, he's the kind of, he's the kind of golfer that isn't spat out by strokes gained generators, no. yeah, because his stats are never that great. But no. actually, give him a golf course that's old style, classical, and where scrambling and putting is important. He can often gravitate to the top of the leaderboard, can't yeah, he? Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he started off well last week as well, didn't he? He, started, he did, yeah, he, until he, I put £10 on him in play and <laughs> he just fell away completely. Kiss the Literally, as I pressed the button. <laughs> I got him at 28 to 1 and I, I said to you, I just got Patrick Reed at 28 to 1 in play. I'm happy with that. Yeah, he made another birdie and then I think he was tied for the lead. I'm thinking, this is a great bet. And then when I next look, he was three under. He'd lost five shots. Yeah, Not such a great bet. Didn't didn't quite didn't quite pan out for him, but I think there's there's enough uh, form bubbling under the surface there. And as you say, I think on a track where you're going to need to have a, a short, sharp, and um, a sharp short game rather, and mm. he's the kind of player who can, uh, can can pull that out of the out of the bag. So yeah, quite excited about Patrick Reed this week, I must say. Uh, two more at longer prices: Brent Schnedeker at eighty to one. I took him with Boyles. Seven places um, each way this week. Now, he's drifted out. I remember you backing him a couple of weeks back. He's drifted out to eighty to one as a result of um, as a result of you backing him, Steve. I think directly. But um, yeah. no, he's missed the last two cuts, which, to be fair, was a bit of a surprise, really, because he did start off the season really well, didn't he? he I know. He, he started. Was he twelfth at Sony, third at Torrey Pines? In fact, again, going back to Torrey Pines in terms of correlation to this, he was fifth for strokes gained putting, third for putting average. First for putts per round that week on the Poana Greens at Torrey Pines. So, um, again, 
for a player who should be more than comfortable on this putting surface, um, quite happy to, to overlook those last couple of uh, results from Branch Nelligan. He's had a week off in the meantime. He wasn't toiling at uh, Riviera like many of these players last week. He will be fresh and ready to go this week at the um, WGC. Two wins at Pebble Beach. Correlate well with the likes of Dustin Johnson and Phil. Again, if you're looking for, for links between the winners here and potential players, he may go well. Seventh here on his only start back in 2017. Now, he opened that week with a 75, then proceeded to shoot 199 for the remaining 54 holes, which was better than anyone in the field. It's better than Dustin Johnson, who won the tournament. So aside from that first round, he was the best player on the show back in 2017. In fact, he was 13 and a half strokes better than the field average for those last three rounds. So he really got his head around the course after those first uh, that first round of, uh, of 18 holes. And I am happy to take 80 to 1 on the basis I want to see how he gets on this week. And um, I think he's more than capable of pulling his form round after a couple of missed cuts. He is a Poana, uh, he's a Poana genius, isn't he? Yeah, he's got the putting stroke that in, in, you know, allows him to putt well on Poana greens, and I think you need that in your armoury. You know, for, for, in terms of Poana putters, Dustin Johnson, Brand Snedeker, absolutely. You know, there's few who you'd really feel comfortable with at the top end, but those guys are just absolute animals on this kind of service. So very much helped shape how I've taken this week on. And there's an, an, an element of that in my final pick as well with Benny Ann, who I took at 90 to 1 with Unibet six places. And he has, for this season to date, this wraparound season, four top 10 finishes, which puts him in the same um, echelons as Rory, as Justin Thomas, as Webb Simpson, right at the top of that stat. So clearly he's been playing well. And um, yeah, ninety to one is a far, far longer price than you're getting on the likes of Rory, JT, and um, Simpson's not playing, of course. But uh, um, for a player a bit further down who's sitting alongside those for for finishes so far, um, that does raise an eyebrow, I must say. The most recent um, top ten was in his last start in Phoenix. He's been off since then, and um, to enjoy the birth of his son, who arrived on Saturday. So. Bit of baby swag, bit of nappy factor coming into this uh, this week as well. If you like those angles, always worth considering in my view. At forty fifth last year, so nothing to to write home about. But he shot sixty four in round three. It was only bettered by two other rounds in the entire week. And third for putting for the overall week here on these Poana greens as well last year. That bodes well for me. And if you look through the records, you look through the players who've performed well here over the three renewals that we've had in Mexico, and you'll see a lot of European Tour or ex-European Tour players finding their way into um, each way paying positions. And I think if you look at the way the course sets up, the tree-lined um, track, a lot of the uh, a lot of the courses over in um, Europe have Poana in their putting surfaces in some shape or form. And I think the players that have kind of cut their teeth on the European Tour um, tend, to, uh, tend to do well over here. So that points to a player like Benny Ann. And of course, we've got his win at Wentworth back in 2015 to, to draw on in terms of being a tree line track. You remember that before they relayed the services with Ben Grass, those greens there at Wentworth were virtually Poana. They yeah. were virtually Poana, yeah. I mean, yeah. they were described as Ben Power, but you, you could see, visibly see how much power yeah, was yeah, in the yeah. greens there. 
ninety percent. Absolutely, it was it, there was a there, there was a bit it varied from green to green, but there was a there was a big chunk, and clearly he uh, he mm. was very very impressive at Wentworth that uh, that year. It's got some altitude form, a couple of uh, decent finishes, the likes of the Joburg Open and the um, the Ned Bank as well, and perhaps I mean, the one thing that's missing with Benny. Um, we've seen is when he's getting himself into decent positions he, he keeps falling away and I wonder if this arrival that he's had over the last uh, last week or so this, this the sun that's arrived will give him a new level of fortitude and the is that going to put bo- Paul you've just is that going to boost his strokes gain fortitude number <laughs> strokes gain on the back nine Sunday of a Sunday. So all of a sudden we've got a new Benny Ann, strokes gain fortitude positive rather than negative. Well, we shall see, yes, mm. com- compared to uh, previously. But yeah, I, I think if there's a time when it's going uh, to help him, then perhaps it's now. So uh, so yeah, I've taken a chance on Benny Ann at 90 to 1. So to recap, Benny Ann 90 to 1, Brant Schnedeker 80 to 1, uh, Patrick Reed 50 to 1, and Dustin Johnson win only at 15 to 2 with Unibet. And my four. Any you fancy this week, Steve? Um, there's a couple of players that I do really fancy. One of them, one of them's really, really obvious. It's Adam Scott, mm. and we've seen with Adam that he can, when he when he finds form back in 2016, I think it was uh, second at the um, Australian Open. Then I think he shook the rust off at the Sony 56. Then he went second. At Riviera, first at the Honda Classic, and then first at the WGC at Doral. Yeah, and I think when he's mentally in that space where um, he knows that everything is connecting, and especially on the basis, let's let's be frank, he beat a field field of the same quality last week. Yeah, so to find him at twenty to one alongside Matsuama, who backdoored another top five last week, and and Tommy Fleetwood and Xander. I just thought that's a great price. I think I think he's played here once. He was kind of mid-pack. I don't think he was playing the kind of golf that he is now back then. Um, I just think Scott's a great better 20 to 1. I, I can see him going uh, main to a bang-bang. I know that he's already won on the Australian PGA, but y- you could see him going very close again this week. Cause he, he's, got the, he's got the ball under such great control right now, Tita Green. And yeah. As you said, this course can actually play if if you're if you can be hitting high GIR percentages, seventy five, eighty percent, and your putting is I think he was twenty seventh strokes game putting last week. It wasn't a total horror show. It can't be, can it? When you're winning the tournament, no, no, no. I think he could be in the. He, he, I'd be surprised if he's not in the mix again this week, Scott. Yeah, yeah, and as you say, he can can hold his form, can't he? Is is that kind oh, of player? Absolutely. The other one that I thought played particularly well from tee to green last week and who is still in need of some very strong results, a guy that hasn't really broken through at a WGC or major championship level, and this would be a, a step up for him this week to, to get uh, Garner a, a win of this kind of magnitude, is Bryson DeChambeau. Mm. He was third for strokes going off. He's been absolutely mashing it now that he's... Um, br- now that he's kind of muscle bound, but he's starting to definitely get his head around it. You know, um, he's clearly calculated that if he can up his sort of strength and his fitness and his and his actual physical prowess, 
that's going to give him, you know, how his brain works, a certain percentage advantage over most most other players. Yeah. All of a sudden, third strokes going off the tee, twelfth on approach, seventh around the green, second tee to green last week for fifth on those bent power greens last week at Riviera. Uh, he doesn't grab me as the sort that's a real patient, firm golf course kind of player. And I, I don't think conditions are going to be as firm this week. Would I have that right in Mexico City? Yeah, I don't City? think so. I think, yeah, I think, I think it's I don't good. say they're going to be soft, but they're not no. going to be lightning fast. No. No, no, no. 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 I think it would be, be slightly more receptive. But, I yeah, just think Bryson, I mean, I'm seeing 30 to 1 about him with Unibet six places each way. I don't think that's a bad bet either. No, and I think with again, as I said at the start, that there's mm. going to be different ways to to attack this course, different ways to play it strategically, mm. and um, that with the way that Bryson thinks, actually, it may well excite him to to want to try and well, yeah, fathom this we course also, out. We also know that he's a great player at altitude. Don't forget, yeah. he's won at Los Angeles. He's got a, 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 I think a top five at Scottsdale in Arizona. He can play at altitude. He can he can work the numbers out as you would expect. Hmm. Yeah, and I, you know these 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 drivable par fours and these attackable par fives with his with the strength that he's got, with the power that he's you know he's trying to put into his game. If he can keep the ball on the planet, then um, then it could be a, could be a fair shout. Yeah. Uh, he did feature on a few of my stats, I must say. I've got another bet for you, mm. and I'm kind of well. I, I, I rarely do a top ten bet, um, but this player is in some exceptional form right now. Um, but I just can't pronounce the guy's name. I never can. It's your old mate Bizarre. What's his name? Uh, Bizud Yeah, mm. yeah. He won again, didn't he? Over on the. Uh, over on the sun, was it the Sunshine Tour? The, yeah, in a, in a decent standard of tournament as well. There was, I mean, there was apart from the really obvious ones, there was some, there were some decent players in that field last week. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I mean, eagle to finish as well. So he, he won, he won it with an eagle over uh, George Goodsayer on the final hole. Which oh, uh, George, you wouldn't expect George to to, <laughs> to throw away, uh, to throw away. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure your uh, your opponent making eagle on the final hole can constitute a, a collapse. But yeah, even so, another second place finish for George. But yeah, I I'm I'm seeing him at eight to one. And I think for a top ten bet, that isn't a bad bet because we know we with Bezaden Hoot, you know that win that he got down in, and you, you're saying about Italian style courses. Yeah. You're talking about, I mean, you're talking about Spanish courses. Where did he win last year? Well, Valderrama. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure that he can get his head around the the bent Poa or the Poana greens. He's clearly he, he'll have played a lot on Kikuyu down in South Africa, and he'll get the out altitude aspects as well because he'll have played up on the Velt and whatever. Yeah. I just thought eight to one for a player that's in such good form. It, was he? Uh, was it Dubai where he finished second in that playoff? Yeah, yeah, he's been showing some decent form even before last week's win. So, and, and what was interesting? Twenty-five under he won last week, and for me, that's not his game. His game is far more controlled than that. So clearly, mm. playing very, very well to make enough birdies to go out and uh, and shoot that kind of score. So. <laughs> Yeah, with it with only the seven spots each way, and in such a class of field, I think that might be a step too t- far. But actually, if you're happy to take eight to one, uh, is it eight eight to one about a top ten? I don't think that's a bad bet. Mm. Yeah, there might be some other sub markets you could kind of slot him into there. Some of the South African markets potentially. 
But yeah, he's mm. playing some good golf, Steve. I can't can't deny that at all. So uh, potentially an interesting shout there. Yes, I would assume. I don't know if you're going to get South African markets or best rest yeah, of the world or something know. like that. If there if there's something later on in the week, he might be worth a poke in that mm. as well. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, it's a little early at the moment, but uh, maybe on Wednesday you might see some of those. Uh, some of those. If you want a player that's in great nick, there aren't many on the planet in better nick than Christian Who is there at the no, moment? No, he's playing some good stuff. Thank you for that. Let's talk Puerto Rico. The Puerto Rico Open. Um, one of these second division alternate events. Uh, where the cream of the crop are playing a WGC or a major and PGA Tour <coughs> offer up a secondary tournament for their members. Um, am I right in thinking it's a shorter field this year? It's 120, yeah. I think previously it's been 144, maybe, maybe down to 132. But yeah, 120 is particularly short for this event. So uh, um, I'm not entirely sure what the thinking is there, but... Um, I'm sure they could have filled a few more had they wanted well, yeah, to. Yeah, I just think that they, they get into the stage of potentially being slightly embarrassed about inviting Omar Uresti again and these kind of <laughs> these kind of guys, you know, Glenn Days and mm. players that won sort of, or oh, I don't know. But yes, I was, I was private, you know, I was actually quite surprised with Victor Hovland, yeah. Alex Noren, uh, Tom Lewis is playing, these kind of fringy top 50 in the world guys. Mm. Uh, they're not bad players, are they? No, no, they're no. in the field. Poulter was in the field and then withdrew because I think he's thinking there's a sniff of actually sneaking into the WGC. Yep. Yeah, it's first alternate, isn't he? So, uh, so he's hoping someone pulls out for some reason and away we, he goes. We've also got the likes of Emiliano uh, Strokes gained uh, Grio. He's in the field. Vegas, um, Kirik Deck, Afi Barnrat. There's some decent names in it. Um, and there's some decent players in reasonable form also that are kind of mixing it at the top of the leaderboard. And of course, you've then got course expert Scott Brown, who I saw was backed off the charts yesterday from 28s and 25s to 1. Uh, you'll get, the biggest you can get on Scott Brown is 22 to 1. But, you know, second last week, at a, a, that must have been the biggest haul that he's ever had of OWGR points in his life. Yeah, it would have been chunky, wouldn't it? Huge. I mean, that's the kind of result that's going to tee him up for the rest of the year on the PGA Tour because he'd been playing awfully. Oh, yeah, missed four cuts on the trot before that. <laughs> that's professional golf, isn't it? Sometimes they find something. I think, didn't you say that he played well the last final round at Pebble and then yeah, all of a sudden. There, there, was a, there was a little flash of form at Pebble, but um, yeah, mm. it's still a leap of faith to go from uh, four missed cuts straight, straight through to you know, a semi contending second place finish. So. Yes. These alternate events, here's a list of winners going back to 2017. DA points 175 to 1. Chris Strood 80 to 1. Ryan Armour 66s. Bryce Garnett 66s. Putnam 28s. Champ 66s. Uh, Martin Trainer here last year 125 to 1. McDowell 40 to 1. Colin Morikawa, the real exception, he was 12 to 1 favourite when he won in Reno last year. And Brendan Todd was the last winner of one of these alternate events at the Bermuda Championship. He was 100 to 1. So they're the kind of prices, the kind of players that we've had winning these recently. Trying to marry them up into any kind of trend or um, yeah. any kind of 
consistent approach is nigh on impossible. In fact, it is impossible because I've tried. A little disparate, aren't they? By, uh, by golfing standards. In the main, though, if you can find a player that shot a decent score in his last event and has kind of got a nice balance of potentially, uh, you know, some a, a decent week with the putter and he's hit a, a reasonable amount of greens, you're not going to be too far away. Um, what I also look for here, and, and something you can see with previous winners, and there is a disparate mix of winners. I mean, let's go back. Scott Brown won here at fifty to one in twenty thirteen. Chess and Hadley at fifty to one in twenty fourteen. We were on him that week. Then you got Alex Chaker in twenty fifteen, one hundred twenty five to one. Tony Fee now won this. Can you believe that? that twenty sixteen. Yeah. That was his yeah. win. He he wasn't T four Tony that week. He was actually winner Tony at fifty to one. Tony Fee now. He came off form, and this is what I'm saying. Miscut, 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 miscut. Forty third. Yeah. So 43rd in Bay Hill the week before. He finished there with a 67, which was the tied sixth in the field. Gets here, wins the tournament. Uh, DA points at 175 to 1. And Martin Trainer won this at 125 to 1 last year. He came off form of 28th Pebble, miscut, and then an MDF at uh, the Sony Open. Those were his three events. Prior to winning here, one hundred and twenty-five to one. <coughs> it's one of those, isn't it? It's just yeah, yeah. I often, I often get carried away in these events, and before you know it, you've thrown so many points at it that when you don't get any return whatsoever, you think, "Why did I do that?" And I kind of set myself up this week where I was going to go through some stats, go through some trends, look at players that have some roots into previous winners, be that on courses that they played well at in the past or statistically, and kind of almost get to a stage where I was f- getting forced to back them because yeah. I can't find a reason not to actually put them on the on the actual uh, preview this week. Yeah, I tried to be a bit tighter, and I did the same at the Amex, which again, a few weeks ago, a tournament, of, it's just a lottery. Um and in the end, I've got a decent result there with Scotty Scheffler. So that's the kind of the process that I'm taking this week. Um, Coco Beach is the golf course. Um, it's a pretty... It's 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 7,506 yards at sea level. It's by the coast. It often blows here and blows quite hard. Uh, and the winning scores do change because of that. I mean, we've had it 7-under and 12-under winning this in 15-16 with Finau and Checker. But you can also have 20-under and 21-under winning it, Hadley and points. This year, I think it's going to be 20... You're going to have to shoot 20-under to win this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if the wind's down, it's... These... Wind's down, and they've had masses and masses of rain over the last seven days. Yeah, and a very, very wet January. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's going to be 26, 27 degrees, and, you know... The course will dry out, but I think it's starting from a very wet perspective. I don't think fifteen under will win it this year, which was trainer, but that blew hard pretty much the whole week last week last year. Um, I've seen it described as a bombers golf course, and in Tony Fee now Martin Trainer, I can see that. I think a little bit of length off the tee when conditions are uh, are tranquil is an advantage around here, especially if it's going to play wet. Um, I'll take you through the top 10 of the predictor model that clearly you can come and use. Um, 10 
I've got uh, Bo Hosler, 40 to 1 with Unibet, six places each way. Nine is Aniban Lahiri. He's the biggest price in the top 10, 150 to 1 with Betfair, seven places each way. What has happened to Lahiri? Hmm. Made the big move to the states, didn't he? And he and he's found he's found the level over there very very tough. I think. Yeah, I mean, he did come close, didn't he? Was it the CJ Cup that he played, played a couple of years? Yeah, ago? I can remember him coming very close at Colonial yeah, one year. Yeah. He's, he's often tended to do well in the first round and then drifted away, hasn't he? But uh, yeah. you always told me this, and you could kind of see it. Colonial, he he's actually the kind of player, even though he's quite long off the tee, he prefers that kind of classical. Yeah, tight off the tee golf course. Yeah, yeah. tree lined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot sure of the Indian this, tracks this are like that, aren't they? You know, a lot of the Indian tracks are, are, are yeah. that kind of style. Um, he's got a bit more length than a lot of the uh, the kind of the, the, the more standard Indian style players, but uh, which sets him apart. And you know, the reason that he's been able to progress through to the to the PGA Tour, it just hasn't quite happened, does it? I've got eight Brandon Haggy, who's an out and out bomber, eighty to one with Betfair, seven places each way. The seven is Zingjun Zhang, sixty to one with Unibet, six places each way. I've got six Tyler McCumber, sixty six to one with William Hill, six places each way. Five is Grayson Murray, sixty six to one with Unibet, six places each way. Four Maverick McNeely, twenty eight to one with Unibet, six places each way. Three Chesson Hadley, twenty eight to one with Betfred on the six places. And then two, Jonathan Vegas at 33s with William Hill, six place each way. And number one, Patrick Rogers, 28 to 1 with Unibet on the six places. It's flat, it's coastal, it's going to play pretty soft, I think. The wind's down Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be scorable. Um, it's pas- it features Paspalum greens. So Paspalum, kind of Bermuda like. But not as grainy. That's my view on Paspalum. Yeah, it's a kind of green that we're seeing a lot more of in professional golf now, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, where do you go? Where do you go? Well, I'll tell you where I've gone. I've gone for four. Uh, the favourite this week is clearly Victor Hovland. He's as big as eleven to one. If you fancy chasing the favourite this week. Alex Noren in a field of this quality at sixteen to one. I mean, he's world class, isn't he? He's a he's a Ryder Cup player. Yeah. He's clearly not in the world's top fifty. Um, he has been showing flashes of late on the PGA Tour. Yeah, bits and pieces, bits and pieces. It's still a destructive shot in him every now and again. But um, yeah, I don't think he's far off. Um, but sixteen to one isn't really um, tickling my pickle. Um, so to speak, Scott Brown, as we said, course. Monster, you know, an absolute beast. Second last week, you get a feeling that Brown might be in the mix. And Tom Lewis, uh, was he second or third at Dubai a few weeks ago? Yeah, He's clearly fring- fringy top 50. Mm. He has got PGA to a membership, but hasn't done a lot with it. I don't think he's made many outings, and the outings he's made have been miscuts. Yeah. So he's right at the bottom now in terms of being able to get any form of... Um, any form of appearance on the PGA Tour. He could use this. He could definitely use this. We know he plays well by the coast. We know he's an aggressive driver of the golf ball. Um, it's going to be soft. Um, he plays well by the coast. If Tom Lewis turns up yeah. uh, with the right mental um, attitude this week, you could see Lewis being a factor. Yeah, yeah. I think he's 55th in the world. So, you know, big incentives for him to carry on or try and maintain a position just inside the, uh, the top 50. And don't forget, um, you know, 
these players get a two-year two-year PGA Tour card. Oh, it's a big carrot, yeah. So yes, you don't get in the Masters. That's the only thing you don't get. Um, you don't get the full uh, allotment of FedEx Cup points, granted, but you still get a P. The main thing you get is effectively two years guaranteed, two and a half years guaranteed on the PGA Tour for the winner of this. And that's why I'm always surprised, Paul, that so many. Journey, it's not a word I like using, but journeyman pros look down their nose at these events and say, oh no, I'm not going to lower myself to play in Puerto Rico this week. Well, you've got a chance of winning a damn thing. Yeah. But they they just don't play them, do they? A lot of them. You can sew yourself up two years of playing privileges with, mm. with one decent wing. The first one I couldn't pass up was Patrick uh, Rogers. And you and I have been mentioning Patrick Rogers for quite a period of time on the oh, podcast. Yeah. I, was, I was on him a couple of weeks back. Pebble Beach, Pebble Beach, a few weeks ago, he was getting hammered, wasn't he, in the mm. betting? Absolutely hammered. You know, he's going to, you know, Pebble Beach can play well. He was in decent nick. He missed the cut, but that's Patrick Rogers. That's what he does. Um, but there's no doubt about it. He's actually playing some nice golf this season. Ninth at Torrey Pines, sixteenth at TPC Scottsdale. He then, yeah, everyone include you know, and half of the DraftKings, he was chalking DraftKings, missed the cut at Pebble Beach. Yeah. <clears throat> Came back last week at Riviera, and he finished in 30th spot. Played okay. Finished with a um, 70 on Sunday, which was within the top 10 in the field when the conditions were at their most difficult and at the firmest golf course. He was 11th for strokes going off the tee, 9th for greens and reg, 15th for ball striking. One of the links I do like here, even with a like a Martin Trainer, a Chess and Hadley type, is where have they played well on their sort of second division corn ferry in the past? And you often see players that do well here who have got um, links to various different South American spots on the corn ferry tour. Okay. If you take Martin Trainer last year, he'd actually won in Mexico in the year previous. Mm-hmm. He also had, um, you also look at the guy that finished um, third last year, Daniel Berger, or tied second. He was 14 to 1, Daniel Berger. I'd never touched that with a barge pole. But he'd finished in his corn ferry uh, year, third in Panama, third in Mexico. Yeah, you, you seeing some links here? Yep, yep. You look at Roger Sloan. He finished in the spots last year. Each way spots are 150 to 1. He's finished third and fifth in Mexico on the Corn Ferry and fourth in Panama. Johnson Wagner, he was 66 to 1 last year, finished in the each way places. He, of course, has won in Mexico at the Mayacoba Golf Classic. So that's that's the kind of feel that I've been looking for for my for my guys this week. Something something where they've clearly done something in the tropics, South America, something like that, yeah? And one thing you get with Rogers is his one and only victory on the Corn Ferry Tour was in Colombia, I believe. Yeah, correlates. And I'm thinking soft golf course, golf course that that actually um, um, should be receptive to bombers, um, and also a golf course that's going to be scorable. And don't forget, this guy's finished second at Quail Hollow, third at um, the Travellers, second at the John Deere Classic. Oh, I know. He's, so he, he's, he's come he's, very, he's very close, isn't he? Place, isn't he? And you, you said to me last week, or it, I might have been last podcast or the podcast before, you said, well, yeah, he plays brilliantly by the coast, Steve. I can remember when he finished second at the RSM Classic 
two years ago That's to right, yeah. Charles Howe. And I had to dig, dig into that. He shot 19 under to get in a playoff with Charles Howe. Oh, it was like 61-62 over the weekend, wasn't it? It was like Absolutely. mad. Absolutely. 61-62 over the weekend. So, you know, he plays well by the coast. I don't think... if With Patrick Rogers, if he was coming in here off of fourth place last week at Riviera, he'd, he'd be a name that I look at and I, I put a cross straight through the name because mm. any expectation of Patrick Rogers, if he reads his name in any... Not that players do this, of course, but if he reads in his name in any previews, any DFS kind of um, output out there... You can just he, he just gets this kind of situation mentally where he doesn't perform, but I think he'll be coming here off a thirtieth place. Yeah, I don't think he'll be coming here with much expectation. And naturally, he's a great golfer. Yeah, you know, don't forget twenty fourteen Ben Hogan Award winner and former world amateur number one. He was going to be the big hope after Tiger Woods oh, out yeah, of Stanford. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> it just hasn't quite happened. I- I managed to get thirty-three to one on him with Unibet six places last yesterday, and I just thought that was a that was a a price that was too big for Patrick Rogers compared to everyone else that was pricing him up at twenty to one. Mm. And secondly, well, that's just kind of bet you take, I think. Yeah, yeah, can't argue. He'll miss the cut, no doubt. <laughs> he's at, also as well. Um, he's actually played well in some of these tournaments before. You know these these subgrade tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Third at the Barracuda in twenty fifteen. He's also had a twentieth and a fourteenth at the Sanderson Farms. So yeah, he, he doesn't look down his nose at these events. He actually takes them seriously and gets on with it. That's, as you said, it's a big opportunity for these guys to get get that get that first win under their belt and. Yeah, well, what's happened to Tony Fee now since he won here? You know, all, he's a, no. I'm being serious. No, I'm not. T- sorry, I didn't mean that in a humorous way. But he's now he's now <laughs> yes. well topped, well top twenty. Oh, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Aside aside from the lack of wins, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's you'd be very player. surprised if Tony Fee now isn't in the Ryder Cup this year, wouldn't you? Yeah. So it happens. It does happen? But players use use these events. I mean, Colin Morikawa last year used this event. You know. If they've got the the right mental um, game and and clearly they're a, they're an elite level golfer, they can use these tournaments as as a and Graham McDowell as well has used these in the past to actually propel his career. Yeah. Another one I thought the price was wrong thirty three to one again with Unibet six place each way. How many times do we say we thought we think the price is t- is too big with Unibet? Yeah. <coughs> we mention that in every podcast. So yeah, again. To, to regular listeners, get a Unibet account because you can really pick up some value. It certainly has some differential pricing, that's for sure. This guy's also a Stanford product. He's also an ex-amateur number one in 2016 and early 2017. Uh, he won the Harkins Award in 2015. Go to Wikipedia, type in Harkins Award and see the quality of player that have won the, tw- uh, the Harkins Award. Um. Well, I'll read them out. Uh, no, um, he also played in the 2017 Walker Cup team. He scored four points from four matches. And he featured in that team with Cameron Champ, Colin Morikawa, Doc Redman and Scotty Scheffler. Mm. Not too shabby, that. No. Um, I genuinely... He hit the professional ranks and everyone thought that this guy was going to be absolutely fantastic. They thought he was going to be a, like a... A John Rahm, potentially a Colin Morikawa, and that's what we expect these days: players to basically turn pro and just ram top ten straight off the bat. But it never happened with this individual. But there have been signs 
that he's actually starting to to work out professional golf, play consistently, and actually start racking up good results. This is his first uh, PGA Tour season, and it started strongly, but pretty unspectacular until very recently. Nine consecutive cuts he's made. That includes 17th at the Golf Club of Houston, 27th at the Mayakoba, and then 2020, he's finished 37th at the PJ West, 15th at Torrey Pines, and fifth last time at Pebble Beach. Yeah, now we've seen with, well, yeah, we've seen with Andrew, Andrew Putnam in 2018, and also Colin Murakawa last year. You can't just put a pen through players' names just because they had a top ten in the build-up or in their previous outing. Um, and this guy, you know, I keep my eight-week trackers. Yeah. Tenth for greens in regulation in this field. He ranks tenth for drink greens in regulation across the last eight weeks. First for scrambling. Ninth for strokes gained approach. Eighth for strokes gained around the green. Third for strokes gained tee to green. Eighth for strokes gained putting. And second, second for strokes gained total. <coughs> so if you were to say strokes gained form coming into this event, this guy's got the second best form in the field. Mm. Matherick McNeely. So I took the two points each way at 33-1 to one with Unibet on McNeely. I think he's a good player. Yeah, and again, as you say, there's, there's a lot of disparity in prices there. So 20-1 to one is a more general price on McNeely. But, uh... He was 33s until this morning. He's been shortening to 28. Mm. So is Patrick Rogers. So someone, clearly the guy at Unibet, or can be, has noticed that I've actually um, tipped him up and shortened his price. But, um, yeah, the player that actually... St- Top strokes going total is Matthew Neesmith. Mm-hmm. So he might be one to watch. The yeah. thing I just don't like... The thing with Neesmith is 33-1 to 1 about a bloke that's never finished in the top 10 of the PGA Tour. It just doesn't turn me on. Yeah, although 11th last time out. So he's getting closer, isn't he? I know you've mentioned him a few times in the in the pods. So he must be quite close to your thought processes each week. Well, he was on my short list of people over the week. As soon you know, you get the field on a Saturday and you start looking, and he's oh yeah, that Nee Smith's been playing well recently. Mm. I'm just looking at Nee Smith's record now. The only thing that again I I struggle slightly with with Nee Smith is he's had a ninth at the Great Exuma Classic, which is down in um, the Bahamas, and you could correlate that course across. But I'm not seeing masses of South American or. Um, that this tropics kind of form that I'd like to see. Mm. I mean, he won in Boise, which is Bent Poe in, in the sort of northwest of America. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a fair difference, isn't it? Um, so yeah, he he's one. I just didn't, I couldn't get involved at the price. Two more though at bigger prices that I do like and I've got involved with. One is your old mucker. You actually tipped this guy up at a WGC event. Can you remember? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that went particularly well, did it? Well, at, at the time, I did. I did kind of snigger off Mike, but 175 to one, you tipped him up in a WGC in his homeland, and he didn't. I think he was top 40 or something. He wasn't a complete and utter mm. sort of 78 place disaster. But Zing Jun Zhang, he's Pat Mayo's favourite, isn't he? Over in uh, over in Canada, yeah. Zing Jun Zhang. He loves Zing Jun Zhang. I can see why because he's actually a quality player. Um, he pops quite a few um, statistical models as well. I've got point each way at sixty-six to one uh, with William Hill in the six places with Zhang. I just think he's a player that could really just pop out this week. Fifty-sixth in the FedEx Cup so far. 
He sits 50th in strokes gained on approach, 49th strokes gained around the greens, 46th strokes gained tee to green, and in the top 60 for greens in rec across the season to date. I won't keep boring you with strokes gained numbers, I'm sorry. But you look at his season, 7th at Silverado, 16th in Las Vegas, 4th in Houston, and 25th quite recently in Scottsdale. <coughs> that Scottsdale finish was quite interesting because he shot, I think it was 68-68 to close. Yeah. And Zhang, you often find with Zhang that if you keep a track of you know round-by-day scores, he pops up very, very regularly. Yeah, he does throw a decent round in every now and again. I think that's really what's, uh, what attracted me to him at the time, as you said. But uh, this could well be the right kind of level for him. It's um, a bit more amenable, isn't it? Now his two, he's a two. T- he won two times last year on the Corn Ferry. Now bearing in mind, Martin Trainer did exactly the same thing. Yeah, so he was Martin Trainer done really pretty much nothing on the PJ Tour, but he arrives at the Puerto Rico Open, which to these kind of inexperienced guys just must feel it's just a Corn Ferry event with a smattering of half decent players at the top end. Mm. <coughs> so I don't think any of these players are going to be overawed this week. But his two wins last week for Zhang, get this, 26 under he won the Dormy Network Classic at, and 25 under the Lincoln Land Charity Class- uh, Championship. So that's 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 pretty mad. It, both events at 25 and yeah, 26 yeah. under. Yeah. Collecting $600,000 last year on the on the Corn Ferry, which is no mean task. I think he was. He might have even topped the regular season rankings. Yeah. Eleven top ten finishes. Yeah. Now this player, this guy can play. Yeah, decent. So where's he played well? Let's have a think. Well, when he actually played on the PGA Tour for the first time back in 2017-18, he finished twentieth at Mayakoba. And that was in a year where he, he says it himself in interviews. He, he just wasn't mentally right. He wasn't ready for the big step. He also finished fifth at the Corrales in 2018. So I love those two ticks in the in the book. So 20th at El Chameleon in Mexico, fifth at Corrales, and second on the Corn Ferry in Panama. There was also a third at the Louisiana Championship. Again, southern, southern golf course, humid conditions, Bermuda grass. He can play in this kind of this kind of temperature this climate and on these grasses i think and yeah shot a five under 67 at pebble peach last time out and a scorching closing round of five under 66 at tpc scottsdale the outing before so i can see zhang being a big big factor this week i really can good player zindran zhang yeah yeah last one for me another 66 to one shot i wanted i really wanted a bit more but <coughs> I'd almost written this bloke's tip by the end of Sunday. <laughs> Six places each way, fifth the odds with William Hill. Tyler McCumber. Mm. Big, yeah. big hitter. Yeah. I think he's in the top 10, top 12 for driving distance on the PGA Tour. So that tells you what all you need to know about the guy. He can bang it out there. 28-year-old, he's the son of Mark McCumber. And he's... he's, he's, he's Sort of rise to the PGA Tour has been very slow. Turned pro in 2013. But this is his rookie season. So he's been, you know, just gravitating slowly, getting his head around professional golf. 
He's been quite consistent this year on the PJ Tour. Eight paychecks from 11 outings. Can't complain with that. And that includes top 32 finishes at the Golf Club of Houston, Torrey Pines and Pebble Beach. <coughs> now that 21st at Pebble Beach is interesting because in that stellar field, he shot back-to-back 68s on Friday and Saturday and went into Sunday in seventh spot. He played with Tony Finau and eventual winner Mark Leishman in the third from last group and must have learned a lot mixing it with the likes of McElroy, Reed, and Watson as they sort of turned into the back nine on Sunday. Yet, bogey city. I think it was three or four straight bogeys on, at the start of the back nine. But effectively, he's mixing it with some elite level players in an elite tournament that yeah. particular week. Yeah, good learning for him. <coughs> he averages 313 off the tee, so he's an absolute boomer. But this is what I really like about McCumber. 2014 saw him plying his trade on the PGA Tour Latin America, yeah, where he won events in Ecuador, and he also won the Maz. I've never come across this tournament until this research piece. He finished. Uh, he won the Mazatlan Open in Mexico. That's an event where defending Puerto Rico Open champion Martin Trainer has finished 15th, 13th and 1st. They, they ran it for three years and Trainer, who's the defending champion here, was 15th, 13th and 1st. And Trainer says, and this is in my preview piece, he actually says in an interview that when he arrived here, he instantly said to his caddy, this golf course is exactly the same as Mat- where we won the Mazatalan mm, Open. Interesting. McCumber also won the 2016 Lexus Peru Open, claiming his third South American title, beating none other than Martin Trainer, who was runner-up in that <laughs> tournament. A look at Mark's Corn Ferry CV also highlights excellent finishes across the Columbia Championship, fifth in 2015, and then 2019, where he got promoted last year. He finished fourth at the Great Abaco Classic in the Bahamas, third at the Country Club de Bogota Championship in Colombia, and seventh at the Panama Championship. What is there not to like about Tyler McCumber this week? No, there's, there's, there's a lot of correlation there to, to, to trainer in particular, as you said. I just wanted 80 to 1 or 100 to 1, but the bookmakers are clearly switched on to him. Well, it's not that kind of field, Steve, isn't it? Ultimately, a few of the withdrawals at the top end... Uh, was it Roberto Diaz and, um, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ian Poulter that just hammered some of the prices further down? Well, the big difference between McCumber and Trainer from two years, so why we're not getting 125 to 1 with McCumber as we got with Trainer last year is because McCumber has banged in those yeah. eight paid finishes from 11. Yeah. But he hasn't actually cracked the top 10 yet, although clearly at Torrey Pines he's showing, and at Pebble Beach, I think he was top 30, he's clearly getting his head around this level. Mm. And I just think he's going to turn up here on a soft golf course where he can just let fly. And you're not telling me he's not going to have the same associations with the course that Martin Trainer had when he turned up. If, if, first if, if visually and aesthetically and sight lines, whatever it is where the correlation is, mm. you'd imagine he'll see the same thing as Trainer. I think he's going to be okay on the Paspalum because of his background down in South America and this this kind of spot in the world in the um, tropics. Mm. So yeah, I'm all over McCumber. So Zing Jung Zhang, I've got Tyler McCumber, and then I've got Maverick McNeely and Patrick the Enigma that is Patrick Rogers. Mm-hmm. Those are my four. Um, 
you must have had a dabble in this because you this is long shot city really isn't it yeah it can I, be. I, I, I've only actually backed one so far one one that I will probably hold back for some kind of pivot plays on uh, on draftkings is Kira deck Alfred Barnrat who won't be particularly popular I'm sure because he's coming off form of miscut 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 yeah but he's uh, a quality player but he is a quality player and um that Paspalum link with Afi Barnrat, this mm. particularly on the European tour, the events that he's played out in Malaysia, that that so uh, Kuala Lumpur, etc. He's from Thailand. They've got loads of Paspalum horses out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <clears> you know, whenever the European tour used to come to a Paspalum track and Afi Barnrat was playing, he was shortlisted for me with, without any further, you know, thought because. There was so there's so much correlating and uh, history from him in terms of playing well on that track, yeah, yeah on yeah. those tracks. So, um, but yeah, he's coming off the back of miscut, 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 which is a little bit off-putting for a sixty to one shot. But I probably will play him in some of my DK teams just as a pivot player, eight thousand one hundred. And the one I've backed is Peter Uline for fifty to one. And um, there was an interesting flash of form from Uline last week on the Corn Ferry Tour. He started with rounds of 68, 64, 66 at the Suncoast Classic. He led going into the final day. Then he shot 74, which uh, took him right out of the mix. I think he finished 20th in the end, which is, in a way, it's probably kept a, a lid on his price this week because had he won that or been far higher, then I expect he'd be far shorter than he is here at the moment. Five times he's played the track. Miscut on debut, 2012. Miscut in 2015. 66th last year. Don't, don't scream uh, impending success. But if you look between that, he finished 6th here in 2013. 5th in 2017. So two decent enough finishes for an each-way punt. And again, going back to European form, um, European tour form, a lot of his best form came on coastal or linksy kind of tracks over on the yeah. European tour. Um, yeah. Won the Madeira Islands Open in 2013. He lost a playoff um, at the Dunhill Links Championship in 2013, which is, again, in terms of stature, is is, is far higher than this, I'd have thought. Um, yeah. Second behind Tommy Fleetwood at the Open de France at the Golf National. And again, you know, that's not coastal, but it's often associated with kind of linksy style tracks. So again, in, in terms of trying to, trying to get some tenuous links together, I guess. Um, and you talked about Bombers. He's got the power to tame this track, I think. Um, mm. What was interesting in his stats last week, I know um, the Suncoast Classic must have been like a drag strip with some of the numbers that were coming out. Um, but he hit over 80% of fairways and over 80% of greens last week, which for someone like Peter Uline is massive. He's normally yeah. he's normally using like thirty five percent of fairways. Yeah, 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 yeah. So to see a number in the, in the low eighties um, suggests that he has an element of control over the ball right now. Um, combined with his length of the tee, I think he'll make mincemeat on a lot of these holes. So yeah, fifty to one felt like a fair price to see if he can shake off that final round from last week. He's finished fifth in a WGC. Do you know that? Yeah, he's got some people. Yeah, this, this is Brooks Kepka's old uh, mm. roommate back in the European Tour, and back in the day, they were, they were, you know, it was difficult to distinguish. What's happened from... to him? He's just completely collapsed, doesn't he? It's you know, he's just... now having to play corn ferry events. Absolutely, yeah. But this total could be... 12 for total driving last week. Yeah, 22nd for driving accuracy mm. and 15th for driving distance at 3.08. Yeah. 
This, yeah, I did look at Yulon. This could be my only concern with him was the, my only concern was was how he was he going to react to throwing away. This, but this you know, yeah, this is the question, isn't it? You never know, do you? No, it's um, you know for some players it spurs them on. Some players they think, well, you know, I've, I played three exceptional rounds there. Um, mm. Had that event been over over fifty four, not seventy two holes, I'd have won that tournament. And yeah, yeah, he was yeah, the best yeah, player. yeah. But um, but yeah, sometimes you know it's coming off the back of a miscut, miscut, miscut. You know, sometimes you need to get yourself back into the to the mix, get those um, competitive juices flowing before it all all clicks for for four days. So I thought fifty to one was a fair price to take on to to see if he can make it happen this week. And on a track that he has finished fifth and sixth before, so yeah. um, clearly there's some uh, some positive sweet spot. Numbers. It's a sweet spot fifty to one actually. Mm. If you look at the winners around here, I'll quickly recap because it's coming towards the end of the show. But actually, I know people find this interesting in terms of the... If you actually look at the last five renewals, it averages out 105 to 1, the winner here. Over the last nine, 97 to 1. Trainer 125, 0.175. And then Fee now at 50s, Checker at 125s and Hadley at 50s. Yeah. Scott Brown in 2013, 50 to 1. So there's three 50 to 1 winners there in a four-year stretch between 13 and 16. Mm. So yeah, that fifty to one spot isn't a bad spot to be at. Yeah, I did look at you, Long. I did say. look at Peter. Personally, I'd rather be on Peter Uline. I should never make statements like this because it opens yourself up to ridicule. But for me, I'd rather be on a Peter Uline at fifty to one than a Martin Laird at fifty to one. Mm. But there you go. It's a lump on Laird. So you're you're with uh, you're siding with Uline and also Affy Barnrat is going to have some of your interest as well, especially DK. Yeah, indeed. You've got it. Lovely. Well, that's us. Thank you very much for your time, Paul. I hope uh, your bets go well this week. Yeah, best of luck. Thank you for your time and uh, a thank you to the listeners for your continued support. We hope that your bets and your DK plays go well this week. And as I say, uh, please subscribe to the show. And if you could leave us a DK review, of course, we will read it out at the start of next week's show. It'd be much appreciated. Thanks very much. See you again soon. Goodbye.